You know, these people are, are happy as can be when you're able to show up within 24 or 48 hours when they're shopping because they think, oh, wow, I'm about to get all my questions answered. You know, so it's so pertinent that they see that level of service because look, if you're not going to be the cheapest in your market, and I think we know that most of the people listening to this probably aren't, you have to, you have to deliver an experience that matches the price you're going to ask. And that begins on the phone. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And with me today is Megan Beattie. I think last time I interviewed you, you had a different last name. I did. You were McGuire, right? You were McGuire before. (laughs) Yes, that's my maiden last name. Absolutely. So I interviewed your husband yesterday, which was really good. I'm not sure when yours is going out, when his is going out, but that was a really good conversation. Some of you may know Megan as Megan Knows Marketing. And Megan really knows marketing. And for those of you that have heard her, the last podcast that we did, I thought I got good at this. I was going to go look and see what number it was. And I did it the other day with somebody. What? It's 80 80 something. 80 something. Okay. Yeah. Go go. If you don't know, I'm going to ask Megan to give you a quick version of her story. But if you don't know her listen to this, but then also go back and listen to the other one. Because as far as people understanding sales and marketing in this business, this is one person that is way, 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 way up there and gets it unlike most do. So with all that, welcome. And boy, you better be really good today. I guess, man. After after all that, right? (laughs) Yeah, I know, man. No pressure. No no, you're, always, you're always good. You know your stuff. So, well, you. so give everybody, before we jump into it, give everybody the quick version of your, of your yeah. story. Yeah. So essentially I started my career in sales and marketing, actually marketing campground memberships. So vacation memberships, and that's a tough industry for people that haven't been in it. So, but I learned really quickly that if you were great at talking to people on the phone and you use the right combination of words, you could pretty much get them to do whatever you wanted them to do. And that was interesting to me. So I I built a career in sales and marketing. I, I landed at my first home improvement company when I was 18, was there a very short period of time and they ended up going out of business. So you would have thought that when they bounced my paychecks, I would have had enough of this industry, but I must have known subconsciously there was better and more down the road. So I ended up at another company in the Kalamazoo area for a few years, 2007 to 2009. And then I landed at All Weather Seal of West Michigan in 2010. I went there, we had very little marketing 
We were doing about 1.7 million when I got there. And then I just actually parted ways with All Weather Seal on a full-time basis earlier this year. And so in the 10 years I was there this year, they're on track to net around 16 million. So we've we've had quite some growth. And we the reason I guess that that's impressive to most people is we did that in mostly all outbound marketing. So up until about two years ago, All Weather Seal's growth was all based on canvassing special events and uh, resurrecting old leads and, and past customers. So we built it up pretty quickly. I learned 10 steps selling along the way. I did some sales training and now I'm a consultant for Tony Hody Consulting. And we will, you know, help different companies with different challenges. Sometimes that's lead gen, sometimes it's recruiting. Right now I'm working with a few companies on their, their marketing side and with their sales team. So, you know, we have a, a wide variety of things that we're, we're helping people with and we just finished up LeadCon. So had a great response there. And, you know, we have a lot of people looking to take their lead generation to the next level. So that pretty much brings us to where we're at now. And my husband and I now own, since I've parted with All Weather Seal, my husband already previous to me leaving there owned a fence company. And uh, we decided once I left there that we were really going to put a lot of our efforts into that. So our fence company is doing extremely well for the amount of time we've been in business. And, uh, you know, we're selling at a, a much higher rate than all our competitors, as I'm sure people would expect because I've learned a lot over the years and I've seen what not to do and I've also seen what to do. And so if I am going to own my own retail operation, I want it to make sense for me financially with the time commitment. So that's pretty much what brings us to today and where we're at. Well, good. So let's talk about, you know, we're in a time now we're recording this at the beginning of June. And again, I'm not sure when you'll be hearing it, but it will still be relevant for you. So the last you know, 14 months has been 15 months now has been crazy. Mm-hmm. Like we were saying, fish jumping in the boat. I had that conversation with Tony. Mm-hmm. So what are you what are you seeing going on? And what are some of the things that people need to be looking out for going forward? Yeah, I think that's a great question and a great conversation. And, you know, one of the things that we've all noticed around the industry, and I've noticed it with my own retail operation, but, you know, also working with all my clients is that when this whole COVID thing happened, I think there was an immediate panic at the beginning and everyone kind of freaked out like, oh my gosh, what are we all going to do? And then it sort of took on a life that I don't think anyone really expected. And things became very easy for the home remodeling industry. I mean, one thing I said to my husband last year was, well, anybody that that's, you know, struggling right now. I mean, I can't imagine what would happen if, you know, 2008 happened again and they weren't prepared. And so, you know, what we're seeing right now is leads are easy to come by. I mean, I have to tell you, when we started the fence company, we're working with a very, very, very small marketing budget. And I couldn't believe the response. And I, I know what I'm doing with leads, but to me was very surprising as to how easy it's been. Now, with that being said, the fish are, as Tony and I and and you have all discussed, jumping in the boat right now. I mean, the leads are easier to come by. People are in in the mood to spend and and work on their home, but it won't always be that way. And I've seen some predictions from a few people around the industry that I do know and trust. And there's a lot of leads are going to be much tougher to come by. Sometime in the next six months, I feel like things are going to start to, you know, take a, a slide back down and It's just important that all companies are ready for that because right now I'm hearing a lot of companies get by with sort of half-assed processes and, you know, they're doing okay. And I just would really like to see people be a lot more proactive about getting their lead generation in order, you know, so that they don't have to be reactive once 
you know, anything happens and they end up in a situation where they say, we don't know what to do. We don't have any leads. And we just hired all these salespeople. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. So, I mean, there's been a lot of, we've gotten a lot of, you know, business, a lot of people that saw things they liked at LeadCon with Brand Ambassador and some other programs. So we're working with a lot of clients on that, but I just, I would really encourage everyone to make sure that you do have all your ducks in a row. It's, it's easy when it's easy, right? And sometimes we forget. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we have to start to plan for when it's not that simple and easy. So yeah. You know, I think we've always, and we've been talking about it a lot here, is Mm -hmm. we don't know what's going to happen. And, Mm -hmm. you know, chances are good that we've seen this huge increase, but chances are good something's going to happen. There's going to be some sort of normalization, some sort of correction. Hopefully not, but let's be prepared. Mm -hmm. And so, and again, this is never, I say it all the time. This is never doom and gloom talk. This is only opportunity talk. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the things you and I were just talking about this is what happens in times like this, when the fish are jumping in the boat, when there's, you know, so much money available at such low interest rates and people have been cooped up at home. It's a kind of a perfect storm, but Mm -hmm. people tend to get sloppy. You know, businesses tend to, we're so busy and they tend to get sloppy. And -hmm. when you get sloppy and you get lazy and then things start to correct, you find yourself in a world of hurt. Mm -hmm. So can we talk a little bit about the fundamentals of the proper care and feeding and handling of a lead, right? Talk to us, tell us about, you know, like from the time that, it's created mm-hmm. through the process. What are some best practices there? What are some of the things that you work on with your clients to ensure that they're getting maximum value out of every single opportunity that comes through the door? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a long process to outline, but I'll do my best to keep it simple for uh, our listeners. So the one of the things that is just absolutely pertinent that is important now, but will become even more important in the future is really the first and foremost thing is looking at speed to lead. You know, one of the most important things to think about is especially companies that are heavy on inbound, meaning you have a lot of leads coming in the front door. That's, you know, social media, quote requests, you've got your SEO, your pay-per-click, you know, even if you're dealing with lead aggregators, which I call lead aggravators, but nonetheless, no matter what, wherever the leads are pumping in to the office, you have to remember those inbound leads are shopping right now. They're shopping online. They're in the mood to ask their question. And if we wait too long or we put them off for any period of time, they only become colder as we wait. The lead never gets more excited waiting on our phone call, right? Right. I mean, the lead only cools off from their initial excitement. And so as soon as we can get to those leads, it's very important. I can't tell you how many people I go out to see on fence quotes and I win by default because no one else calls them back or answers the phone. Right. So I can be two, three, four times as much as my competitors because I have the service and the experience that ends up backing it up. But it all starts with how soon they hear from you, right? And if we don't have that piece down, you're most certainly going to lose a certain percentage of those leads to your competitors if if they are fielding leads quicker than you. What is your ideal lead comes in right now? It's 2.45 Friday after, call it Tuesday, Friday, (laughs) 2.40 or Tuesday at 2.45. What's ideally, when do you want to get out there? 
2.46 p.m., we better have called them by. I mean, less than 60 seconds is ideal. Obviously, that's not a perfect how about, world. If, how about setting it, though? Like Oh, for setting it? The appointment. Today or tomorrow. Yeah. Today yeah. or tomorrow is Today ideal. Tomorrow. I mean, 72 hours or less is ideal. And there's a few reasons why. I mean, the, the main reason why we want to set it as soon as possible is the same thing I just talked about in the lead. And it also transfers to the sales side of things. You know, these people are, are happy as can be when you're able to show up within 24 or 48 hours when they're shopping because they think, oh, wow, I'm about to get all my questions answered. You know, so it's so pertinent that they see that level of service because look, if you're not going to be the cheapest in your market and I think we know that most of the people listening to this probably aren't, you have to, you have to deliver an experience that matches the price you're going to ask. And that begins on the phone. We have a lot of reviews. And one of the things that people mention in our reviews quite often is they knew from the phone call that we would be a great company to work with. And man, if you could plant that seed on every single appointment that your sales team is going to go to, I mean, how much stronger is that? So we want to get out in front of them as soon as possible. When I was at All Weather Seal, I mean, we had a fair amount of same days and next days we were getting every single day, but it all depends on the scripting, the verbiage at the end when you're going to close for the appointment, that is what actually is going to create the, the urgency to get out there right now, a lot of that verbiage, as well as the, some of the, the urgency of the need in the conversation. But when we're offering a same day or a next day, there's a specific formula that we use that really increases the chances of the customer choosing a time sooner. Yeah. Do you want to talk about some of what's included in that formula? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of times when it comes to setting an appointment. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Let me just say this. The reason I asked her about that is because the really, this is a sale that needs to be made. So if you've got that inbound call or you're dealing with, and I'm going to I want to swing back to lead aggregators in a minute, but when you've got somebody on the phone, you have to sell them on an appointment. And I think a lot of people don't look at it that way. I mean, the big companies do, right? Mm -hmm. The big companies get it. And I think a lot of the listeners maybe aren't big companies and they want to become bigger companies. So it's really important to understand that piece of it, that you have to sell Megan would never have just a quote unquote receptionist answer the phone to set an appointment. Okay. So with that said, now let's talk about that process and kind of what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, and I think that's a great way to put it. You know, and a lot of times when I start working with a client, that's exactly what they have. They have a receptionist that's been answering the phones and, you know, they're doing okay. And they've got leads on the board, but that's not a growth strategy. And that's the difference. It's an existing strategy, but it's not a growth strategy because whatever we do for growth has to be duplicatable. It has to be systemized in a process or, you know, it all becomes chaos as we try and and grow our business, as you've alluded to on on many of your podcasts. But, you know, the, the basic formula when we're, when we're, whether we're fielding a call inbound or outbound is very simple. We have an introduction and then the part that most companies completely skip over and pretend doesn't exist is need uncovering and need building. And, you know, what that means really is it's not about you. It's, it's about the customer. 
It's about finding out what their needs truly are and really dialing down to emotional pain points. When we're able to do that on the phone, and I'll give you a great example of one, you know, an example, but when we're doing that on the phone and the customer feels that we're listening to them and, and we truly are, then what we have to do is provide them with a solution to those problems. And the solution to those problems happens to be my in-home visit right? But the value of the visit really has to scratch the itch that was created during the conversation. So for instance, you know, I live in Michigan. So when we were talking windows and we would go out to people's homes, one of the main reasons people want to replace their windows is it's cold and drafty in their home, right? And so when a customer tells you their windows are drafty, there's no real emotional pain that's attached to the word drafty. So I have to get to the core of that because people make decisions based on emotion, not on reason. Right. As much as they'd like you to think it's reason, we all know at this point in the game, it's, it's based on emotion. And so what we need to do is dial down to really what bothering them. So, you know, when I get a customer that tells me their windows are drafty, I could say, okay, great. We can come out next week at two. Or I could say, oh, now when you say drafty, what do you mean by that specifically? And they say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's pretty cold when we walk by. And I say, okay, now what rooms are you noticing that in the most? And they start to tell me a story. Well, in the dining room and you know what? Thanksgiving, when Aunt Peggy comes over, she always comments on how she has to wear a sweater and it's kind of annoying. And you start realizing that there's more to this than them just replacing the windows. There's a pride issue here. There's, you know, an emotional pain point that most companies just don't know exists and they skip over until they get to the house, which is fine. If you want to create it in the survey and the measure step, you can, but why not plant the seed before you get there? How much stronger is the lead? Because when they arrive, they look at you as a problem solver versus a salesperson. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, that's a that's a big part of it is the need uncovering. And it's really just asking simple, open ended questions and making the customer do more of the talking than you are. Let's pause here for a quick break. In today's world, getting a five star review on Google from every single one of your customers is critical. This is something that G4 Marketing Group helps hundreds of home improvement and home services companies with every day. So we put together a free five-star customer experience checklist to help you ensure every one of your customers are getting an experience that will turn them into raving fans. You can get your copy of the customer experience checklist today. Just go to g4marketing.com forward slash C-E-X. The checklist will walk you through 30 points in your customer journey that you can improve today. That way, you'll be able to turn today's customers into tomorrow's leads, sales, and profits. Just go to g4marketing.com forward slash C-E-X. That's G-F-O-U-R marketing.com forward slash C-E-X to get your copy of the checklist today. Then, when you're ready to automate your relationship marketing so that your customers grow your business for you, just give G4 Marketing a call at 305-856-8788 and we'll give you a free demo to show you how your future business profits are hiding in today's customers. Now let's get back to the episode. But see, you know what's really interesting? So talking with Dan yesterday, we were talking about your your business there and what's happened to you guys in a year and some people could look back and say well yeah it was COVID they just they got lucky it was COVID and listening to well I know you right so I know that's not true right 
So, but also listening to Dan and having that conversation of, of it being about the value that you deliver to the customer. It's really at the end of the day, it's all about them. And why is it that some companies can get premium pricing and premium profits when other companies are just barely getting by? And it's the little things like this. And it's so hard to, you made it really clear in that example. And I just wanted to make sure that I pointed it out to the listener. It's the little things that make such an enormous difference. So when you set it up like that, and Mrs. Jones has just given you that story and you've dug deep and you've gotten her emotional about it. Now she's looking forward to you coming over. Amen. Now you've got, you've got one, how do you say it? It's like, you've got one piece of the sale already made, Correct. right? And you're going to be more expensive, but she's going to pay it because she's going to remember all the way back at the beginning she's going to remember that conversation and she's going to see you different when you show up. I wanted to throw that in there because Dan did that yesterday. We were talking about, you know, the whole, the kind of the process through and the sales process and what you guys do and why you're so much more expensive. And it's the little things like this that make an enormous difference. And Mm -hmm. And these, and I'm going to shut up now, but these little things also are scripted. Absolutely. You have to be process behind it. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a there's a real misconception in the call center world that scripted equals robotic. And, you know, only a a strong sales or marketing trainer understands it's actually the complete opposite. And that is that when you've mastered it and you memorized it and you know it like, you know, your address, that's when you've arrived. And no sooner than that. So if you're nervous about role play, if you're, you know, stumbling over your words, you don't have it memorized all the way. And that's when you do come across as robotic and no customer likes to be pitched. Yeah. And that's one of the biggest, you know, kudos I always hear is people say, wow, when you got done with our scripting, it sounds like a conversation. And I said, you're damn right. And it should. Right. So once we get the need building, then we have to get a commitment that it's definitely a project they're looking into sooner rather than later. So once they've told us all of this need and this headache they have, this is really where we have to get that commitment. Now on an inbound meet, when they're calling us, obviously we know they're going to be tackling the project sooner rather than later, but I'm not asking them because I don't know if they're doing it. I'm asking them to get a small commitment from them so that when I offer the appointment, it makes sense. That's also where the outbound lead sort of can catch up to where the inbound lead is. And what I mean by that is if you're calling a sweepstakes lead or you're calling an old lead and in the beginning, they're like, eh, we're really not going to do anything. I mean, we know the windows are old, you know, blah, 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 but we're able to take the conversation into those emotional pain points. Even if they thought it was because they were going to win, we have a very good opportunity with the commitment question to then say, well, it sounds like with the windows being drafty, Aunt Peggy complaining about how cold it is, you said you had pretty high energy bills, um, not to mention the fogginess, whether you win or not, it's definitely a project you folks are going to be tackling at some point. And they have no choice but to say yes, because it's the truth. And it's based on their words. They're the ones that told us this long laundry list of things that they would like to see changed in their windows. Whether they can afford it or not, we're not there yet. But we are talking about, you know, whether they were to win or not. It's definitely something that we can come out and get an opportunity on. So that's why we've been really, you know, fortunate at All Weather Seal. We have 
converted sweepstakes leads over the years at a rate that, you know, most companies are scared to death of a sweepstakes lead. And for us, it, it all becomes the same lead if you do the need building and then you do the value of the visit. So once we get that commitment, then we have to really show them why it makes sense to have us into their home, right? Because in the days of 2021, we have online shoppers. So immediately we're getting beat over the head with give me a price over the phone with why does my spouse need to be here? How long is this going to take? And so the value of our visit can't be an arduous task that they're going to really, really hate. It has to solve the problem that we discussed in the need building, whether that be an energy audit because they're drafty, whether that be, you know, we work up a virtual model of how their house would look with the siding through one of our, our vendors that we use that work up those virtual models. But there has to be some sort of value in you coming over other than just giving them a price. Right. And in that way, when life does happen, the appointment sticks. When something that sounds more fun comes up, you know, that sounds more fun than window dork, we want to make sure that that appointment is solid because we've got some emotional hooks in there in order for the homeowner to really want to have us over to see, you know, what they can do about this problem they have. And that's never been more real than in the fence industry. You know, I, I thought, how am I going to write a sales process on need or measure step? And it's so easy in fence. People care about their pets and they want to contain them. People hate their neighbors and they want to stay away from them. Those are the two main reasons that people call. So <laughs> oh, we get great, great stories. Yeah. So, so as long as you find out which one it is. Okay. I got to find out which one. Right. Well, yeah. and to be fair, people don't readily want to tell you that. No one wants to be the bad guy. No one wants yeah. to be unneighborly. But when I arrive and we start doing the walk around, it becomes very clear that they want privacy on one side and the other side completely open. Who they're not wanting to see. Right. So, and you know, that's it. We all have problems that we solve and that's, that's the point of our products. You know, it's one of the things you said in your book that I've said for many years and I think is so important for people to remember is we are a sales and marketing organization that just happens to sell fence. And when people don't realize that that's really what their purpose is as a company, I think the message gets misconstrued sometimes. And that's an important thing to consider as well. Well, and I think one of the worst things you could think as a business owner is, well, all I do is, is I just go and install fences for people. Correct. You know, if that's who you are, well, sure, you're not going to be able to build much of a business around it. I mean, you might mm -hmm. be busy and you might make yeah. a living, yeah. but, if, but we're talking about how do you build a business that works without you, that's profitable enough to create real wealth for you and the, and those that you love mm -hmm. in order to do that, you got to build a real business. And the real business means you got to go solve problems. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. You know, some people might, you know, listen to what we're saying and say, well, boy, that sounds really manipulative. What would you say to that? I would say if you don't believe in your product, you're right. It is. And you should not sell it. In fact, you should quit the business you're in and you should go find a product you don't believe is, is doing a disservice to people yeah. because in, in my eyes, I owe it to people to close them, whether it's for an appointment, whether it's for the fence, because the reality is, is that whether it's fence or windows or roofing, I know what some of my competitors offer, right? And they offer a much cheaper price than I do. But, you know, there's worse things you can be than expensive. There is worse things that you can be. And so often I think people get it mixed up and they say, well, you know, you, you're asking them all these questions. Well, of course they're going to buy from you. And I just think, yeah, but do you realize that no one has listened to them from any other company about this project ever? 
they call and they just get, okay, yeah, we'll come out and people, you know, somebody writes a, a price on a business card and leaves it with them. And they're never any closer to really having their problems solved or their, their questions answered. But the reality is, is that these people are going to buy a fence from someone at some point. And if it's me or not, depends on me. Right. And that's sure. Is that a lot of pressure? It is, but that's, that's why we do what we do. Right. You know, the reality is, is that I believe if someone is putting a fence in, in the West Michigan area, and it's a product that I carry and install that there is no better value than the product I'm going to offer them for their home. Yeah. And, you know, whether that comes, it's, it's obviously going to come with a prior, higher price tag. I can't possibly offer the type of service and craftsmanship that they do at a cheaper price. Well, and the value is not only in the fence, right? Amen. Not only in the product, because Correct. there's 10 other people that could just go and install a fence. Correct. I have no exclusive deal with any fence manufacturer yeah. at this time, right? So am I selling the same products everyone else's? I am. Yep. <laughs> I'm selling the same product everyone else's. And that will change as we get larger and as we scale, I'm going to get an exclusive manufacturer. But as of right now, I'm you know usually double what everyone else's prices or more, and we're still having plenty of business. And the reason being is because we do offer an experience and it's hard because the customers try and explain why they're paying more to work with you and they don't really know but their statements go kind of like i just got a better feeling when you guys came over Whoa. no one else mentioned the egress window no one else mentioned this no one else mentioned that and well, you just set yourself apart as a professional yeah it's like and it's like you said you you're digging you're probing what really is the problem here Mm -hmm. What am I really here to solve? Mm -hmm. And you have to ask some questions and you have to dig a little deeper. And, and then, you know, and then the value that you, that you're delivering is not just, oh, the fence. It's, I'm going to communicate with you. I'm mm -hmm. going to show up on time. I'm going to have professional installers. I'm going to follow up with you after the job is done. I'm going to make right. And on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. It's not just about, oh, let's just go slap something on. And I think that's what a lot of, I think that's what keeps a lot of small companies small and struggling. You know, Absolutely. business owners, just if they're stuck, I think a lot of them are stuck here. Is mm -hmm. that they don't understand that, wait a minute, I'm here to solve a problem but in order for me to solve the problem, I've got to really dig deep. And then I got to be different from everybody else. And I have to have more value mm -hmm. than everybody else. Yeah. So let's go back to the, we were talking about sloppy and we were talking about the process. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that you went into detail kind of on, you know, the, the setting it up. Mm -hmm. What else are you noticing? Where else are people getting sloppy in the process? Oh, sales process. People are very sloppy in the sales process. I mean, they're showing up late. They're, you know, not following up. They're not sending an estimate, you know, doing exactly what you say you're going to do for the customer when you say you're going to do it goes a long way. Oh, yeah. And companies don't understand the magnitude when you're starting out on just a small thing. Like you say, you're going to send a quote by a certain date or time, or, you know, you say you're going to do this or that. If you don't do it, the customer is looking at that as an indication of how the rest of their experience is going to go. So the minute that, you know, they have to call you and say, hey, I haven't heard anything. We made our down payment and we don't, you know, is there an update on our install date? You've already lost. I just did that 10 minutes before getting on the call with you. We're waiting on, on a contractor uh -huh. and it's been 
four or five weeks and I just texted him, where are we? What's I haven't heard from you guys right. What's going on. Right. And the homeowner and, and the thing, you know, and I, and I talked to, you know, the owner at all weather steel and I are very close. I still, still do some consulting with them as well. And something him and I have always discussed about that is it's like, once they reach out to you, you've already lost. You've already like they've, lost. They lost faith in you the day before that, when they were waiting to see if you were going to follow through and we've all done it. We've all missed phone calls, yeah. but the reality is, is what kind of processes do we put in place then to take care of that? So that that doesn't repeat to the next customer and the next customer. And all of a sudden you have a bad review before you've even installed anything. Yeah. You know, and that's the last thing we would ever want. So it's about getting a person or a process put in place so that the customer does just have someone touching them. That's letting them know, whether it's through email, text, phone, that they aren't feeling like they're just kind of left out here wondering what's happening. And that's scary. And when they pay more, they expect they're going to get more. Right. Right. So and 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 it's our job to deliver. And they deserve (laughs) to get more. They do. It's our job to deliver on that. You know, and that's the important part. There's a difference between charging more and then charging more because it's worth it, you know, and and delivering that higher level of experience where they're not sitting around waiting and wondering. Your crew is showing up at the time you told them they're going to show up. You know, there are any updates or or material back orders being able to communicate that so they understand that we're doing all we can do and we're keeping you in the loop if there's some things that have, have happened with your materials, you know, and just being a good human and think, putting yourself in their shoes, kind of like you are right now with, with your, you know, scenario. How would you feel? Yeah. Ask yourself that, you know, how would you feel if you went through your process at your company to have the, your product installed at your own home, set yourself outside of it? How would you feel about the process? Are there areas that need work? Are there areas that you do really well? Probably some of both, right? So yeah. Let me, I'm bouncing around a little bit Mm -hmm. here. We've used the word process here so many times. And I know, I know how you are about process. I don't know, no, but I know (laughs) if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. When you started with All Weather Seal back in 2010, you said, right? Mm -hmm. Was a, you know, it was an okay, you know, size company, Mm 1.7 million, but you can't go you know, you can't really grow from that until you start to develop processes. Correct. You came in and you were probably responsible for starting to develop some of those processes. Yes. How do you start? How do you build a process? Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I did when I showed up there to build the process was I had to first take an honest assessment of where they were actually at and decide what things could be salvaged and what needed to be thrown completely away and started over fresh. Mm-hmm. Because often you come into a company and they will say, you know, well, we'd like to keep doing it this way. And, and sometimes that's okay. And sometimes keeping doing it that way is the reason you called me to come in here, right? So I have to make some changes. And the first thing I noticed when I got there was they wanted to build a canvassing team. And they had a couple of people on staff that would go out and knock doors, but it wasn't a program. It wasn't a a team like, you know, they have today. Today, All Weather Seal, I mean, they're doing between three and 400 grand a month in canvassing. They've got 13 canvassers and two different teams. I mean, they're, they're really, really doing a great job with that. But in the beginning, they didn't have a process. So I come in, I say, here's our process. We go out, we 
write leads, we email them into the call center at the time. This is as far as the technology was going at that point. And the call center then fields it, verifies the lead, puts it in the computer and confirms it if it's the same day or the next day. Well, that worked out great until the call center had never confirmed a Canvas lead before, right? And so I put Canvas process in, but call center and fielding and verification process has to go along with that or canvassing is a waste of time and money. And so that so was let the me, next but Let me ask you this. So, mm -hmm. okay, so you just rattled off, okay, we do this and this and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. What does it look like? What does it physically look like? Did you write it out on a piece of yep. paper? Do you write it up as a document? Is it a video? What is yep. it? We wrote it up on a piece of paper and we said, number one, canvassers arrive at this time of each day. Number two, we have a pre-shift meeting. Mm -hmm. Number three, after the half hour pre-shift meeting, we load up in the van. Number four, after we load in the van, we head out to the area. Number right. five, we do not stop at any place without multiple bathrooms to go to the bathroom. Why? Because it eats up street time. And that's one of those things and processes that people don't realize until they get in the street and they say, well, why is your team writing 15 and 20 appointments a day and mine is writing four? And I go out with them one day in the field and say, well, because you're spending 17 hours of your day at the gas station screwing around. And they go, oh, you just don't realize it until, and I only learned that, Brian, through watching it eat up my street time, right? And I said, well, I gotta get no stopping anywhere without multiple bathrooms. It's one of those little things you learn. Now, the way that we, you know, do maps is a lot different. Back then, we just have our paper map. Someone would get their map. They'd bring it back with the streets they did. I'd show up the next day and go back to the field. So we'd write that down. Then after we go out to the field, then we would hit drop everybody in their territory. Then the next step would be as soon as you write your first appointment, you send it into the office. Then the next step is if the office can't get a hold of it, you're going back to the house to tell them they need to answer the phone. <laughs> then, you know, and so and, and that's how the process. So it's, yeah, it's step by step. Is it perfect the first time? Absolutely not. Yeah. It is. And, you know, that's really the biggest enemy of people that start systems, processes, departments. The biggest enemy is people say they're a perfectionist and it's really just fear. And so they take so long to make a process, they never end up doing it. And yeah. you're much better to be 60% right and trying it out live and fixing the problems as yeah. they go and developing a process to fix what you see, then you are making sure it's hundred percent perfect. In the meantime, your sales team has no leads. Yeah. And so, you know, you get out in the field and, and then you do make those, some of those adjustments in the processes on the fly, but it's all something that I've learned over the many years. And now I share with my clients, so hopefully they don't have to pay the dumb tax. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, you know, and that's what I try and, and get across here is that, hey, there are proven ways to do this business. Absolutely. And you could shortcut your success pretty dramatically by going out and seeking those resources, those mm -hmm. consultants, like, you know, bringing in Megan to to help you with your call center or with your mm -hmm. canvassing team or with your sales team. You're very unique in the industry that you are both the sales manager and the marketing manager. That blows my mind because we don't see that very much. It doesn't happen much, but it does. I, I do get to add a lot of value to my clients with that because well, I yeah. understand because when we put in a new lead source, especially a nebulous one like canvassing, I already know the sales meeting I have to host with the sales team yeah. to get them on board with it. Because if the culture rejects it, I mean it's useless. So we have to get in most companies, well, that's the that's the sales team's fault or that's the marketing team's fault. And I'm here in the middle going, but we can bridge the gap. 
Right. It doesn't have to be sales or marketing's fault. It can be, we're all working together if everyone understands the why behind these lead sources, you know, but it's all about educating them and, and people naturally are going to buck something they haven't done or they don't understand. I mean, it's part of consulting. We go in, everyone's been doing the same thing for quite a period of time normally. Right. Right. So we come in and, and just coming in like a bull in a China shop doesn't do anything. We have to go in and see where they're at first and, and kind of show them that, yeah, well, that does work. Right. That is the enemy of great. Right. If, if better as possible is good, good enough. And that's usually the question we have to ask ourselves when we do bring a consultant in, because it's not comfortable to bring one of us in and change everything that you're used to doing, right? right. But you have to want the prize more than the pain it's going to cause on the way there, right? Oh, that was really well said. Say that again. I said, you have to love the prize more than you hate the pain that's on the way to the price, right? right? We all have to put in the sweat equity and, and the hard work that gets us to that goal. And, and sometimes it's not always fun. And sometimes it, it's an ego check. You know, sometimes we thought we were up here and we bring someone in and realize we're only about right here. But, you know, that's where the growth occurs. Right. That's, that's when people actually change and build organizations that become, you know, a hundred million dollar organization is, is begins with that change. So. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a good, I'm looking at the clock, and I think that that's probably a good place to to stop. I think there's so much meat in this episode that this is one that you probably want to go back and listen to again, and you're interesting and unique in this, in this industry, and I appreciate you for coming on and sharing all the good stuff, letting me interview your husband. Absolutely. He loved it. He had a great time. He said, man, yeah. that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, said, I know it was, it? it was good hearing, you know, it was great hearing his story. I know. And, right. Yeah. And it, it's like, you know, you know, we all learn <laughs> from yes. life, you know, we don't always do everything right. But sometimes, you know, at the end of the day with some experience and with good partnerships and mm -hmm. you put something cool together. Yeah. And it just starts, it starts to work. Well, and it's really been a blessing for me to see what it's done in his life, you know, because I know what the industry can do, what it's done for my life, what it's done for, for countless others, but so many people have the tools and just never apply them. And right. he is, and, and what's nice about our relationship and our, and our marriage and our business is that he is the implementation king. I mean, he, you give him something sounds like it. going hundred yeah, percent, It sounds like which, that. which is why we've grown in the way we have, you know, I've helped a little along the way, but he's done most of the legwork. You know, I help him with the verbiage and the psychology and why we say this, not that, but you know, he has done all the footwork to get our fence company to where it's at. And so to, to have the growth we had, I mean, the first hundred thousand dollar month we had, we both looked at each other. We were like, well, we knew what happened. Didn't have to be this quick, but right. we're happy. Right. So, right. yeah. And it's important to know, you know, I talk about this all the time and, and let me just do a quick pitch for, for those of you that don't have a copy of the seven secrets to becoming mm -hmm. a wealthy contractor book. You know the deal. I buy the book. You pay. We bought two. We, we have two. We you need have two. Them. Oh, wow. yeah. <laughs> we both we like to read. We do book studies together, so we always get two of every book. Oh, we that's do. cool. Yeah, we do leadership and other things. So, but this is this is a staple for us. Oh, that's so cool. But I don't uh, know if 
I don't know if Dan told you, but he actually was reading it to our daughter who's 21 and has her own business. No way. And, yeah. And so she does tarot card readings, believe it or not. And she is now looking at herself as a wealthy contractor because she contracts tarot readings and she eventually wants to have tarot readers that work for her. And so yeah. it's applicable in so many different ways because it's so because you're so right on with the mindset piece. That's yeah. the part that people need. And that's the book really outlines that well. Well, so. and and I was going to say that the thing that seems like is really in place with Dan and of course with the both of you, and you just said it, you're very clear about where you're going, right? Mm -hmm. This is where we're going. Mm -hmm. And so we know that there is going to be some pain along the way, but we want this a lot more and we're willing to go through the little bits of pain. We're willing to do the work because we know how good it's going to be on the other side. And it's shocking to me how many business people make decisions without thinking about, well, why do I really want to do this? Mm -hmm. I had breakfast with a client this morning and he's in town with his family on vacation and runs a nice business, mm -hmm. makes good money. And he's telling me he wants to open another location. I'm like, all right, well, why do you want to do that? Why do mm -hmm. you want to open another location? Well, because there's a lot of opportunity over there. Okay, well, all right, but what does that opportunity represent to you? Like, mm -hmm. do you want to make more money? Do you just want to have another office? What is it? And ultimately, I said to him, I said, you know, it's great, but if you want to make more money, I think you've got opportunity within your own business to make another 250, 300, 350 a year. In your same location without in the same location off. without having to go and do this and go do that and all of that. But you know, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to mm -hmm. end up doing, but I just thought, well, let's get really clear about well, why do you even want to do this? And, well, that's um, that's so true. And that's something that I um, have picked up not only from you along the years, but from shows like Shark Tank, you know, you just yeah. you hear and they're like, why on earth? would you want to have to sell more jobs to make less money? And right. I just think it's for ego. I mean, it's, it's because right. people want to say I built the, and they have this number. I mean, you've talked about it a million times that they're so attached to, and it ends up being right. But if you only have a 5% profit model at the right. end of the year, who the hell cares? I would cares? rather take half of the amount of jobs or a quarter of the amount of jobs and make the same amount of money and then just double up that effort. Like what? Right. But, so, but what I found is some things that feel like they're common sense are kind of uncommon sometimes. And that's one of them. Well, and I applaud <laughs> you. I applaud you for your ability to be a consultant because that was the most miserable year and a half of my <laughs> life. I, I swear. I mean, I, I love it though. I love building businesses. You know, I love with the people that I work. The process is fun for me. I laugh yeah. every day, all day long. And I that's help great. people to make a lot of money, but you're right. The pain that is attached with that, I was not prepared for yeah. when I began it. Yeah. I did not realize that it wasn't this fun, ooh, you know everything, so you show up and help people type of deal. You find out, wow, there's a lot of bad news you have to break to people. Right. And and, yeah. and, and they don't want to hear it. Correct, and correct. They don't and always want to do what they have to do in order correct. to get. And who can blame them? I mean, I've been in that I position don't. myself, but I also, the good news is I, I have the greatest clients on earth. You know, yeah. I have some great clients, but I look at that when I decide to work with someone too, because I only have so much time. I want to make sure the people I work with are going to benefit from it because yeah. they're open and they want to grow. You right. know, if they're just open, if they just are, are fine, you know, being the same, then that's okay. It just doesn't really match with the type of hustle that I'm going to bring to the equation. So. Right. Right. 
Right. All right. Well, Megan, thank you so much. Thank you. Got to have you back again. Absolutely. And continued success with everything that you're doing. I really appreciate you. And to everybody listening, until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group, and this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a different way? Did it spark an idea or ideas that you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. If it did, I'd like to ask you a favor. Would you leave a five-star review of the podcast? By doing so, you'll help other contractors find the podcast more easily so that we can help them achieve more success, wealth, and freedom. And before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. In fact, if you haven't already, make sure you go to thewealthycontractor.com and get your free copy of my latest book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor. Just pay shipping and handling, and I'll take care of the cost of the book. And finally, a big thanks to G4 Marketing for sponsoring the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. For over 12 years now, G4 Marketing has been the secret back office relationship marketing team for hundreds of home improvement and home service businesses just like yours. You get the customer, and our proven system turns that customer into five-star reviews and profitable repeat and referral business. If your home improvement or home services company completes at least 10 jobs per month, they have a solution that will work for you. To find out more, sign up for your free, no-obligation, 10-minute discovery call at www.g4marketing.com forward slash strategy. That's G. F-O-U-R marketing.com slash strategy. Set your discovery call up today and they'll help you set your business up for long-term profits and success. So until next time, this is Brian Cascavalsian.